Welcome to the Cornerstone Vineyard Weekly Message Podcast. We are enthusiastic about all ages pursuing, experiencing, and having an authentic relationship with Jesus, others, and our community. Join us as we open God's Word and seek His direction in our lives. Uh, my name is Matt Porman. I'm the lead pastor here. Glad you're here this morning. We have some time together. Uh, before we jump into our teaching, I wanted to talk to the men in the room. So ladies, you can just you know, tune out for a minute. Uh, men in the room, uh, I wanted to uh, highlight one last time that this coming Saturday is our men's retreat. Uh, we are actually heading to Bear Lake Bible Camp up in Jones, Michigan, about an hour away uh, for an incredible day. We're gonna carpool there um, and there's gonna be opportunity to do uh, activities like zip lining, trap shooting, archery, ropes course, and something that they're calling the ultimate challenge. I have no idea what that means, but I'm intrigued, all right? And uh, so it's gonna be a great day. Uh, and so uh, I'm just gonna, if you, some of you are already signed up to go. If you're not signed up, men, uh, would you consider signing up today? Um, we would love to have you join us. Uh, we'd actually like to get about five or 10 more guys to, to show up and to go with us. Uh, so you can do that today on our website at cornerstonevineyard.church. And I think it would be worth your Saturday uh, if you come. So I wanted to add my voice to that. Uh, with that, then we're gonna jump into our teaching today. If you wanna grab a Bible, you can turn to Job chapter one. That's where we're gonna land today. Job chapter one. Job is in the Old Testament. Uh, it's about uh, one third of the way through a paper Bible. There are paper Bibles spread throughout the auditorium if you wanna grab one of those. Um, and if you, if you, a quick reference, it's just uh, before the book of Psalms. So if you can find the book of Psalms, you can find uh, Job. Uh, and then if you don't have a, a Bible or you don't wanna grab one of the paper ones, you can always go to sermons.church on a browser on your device and search for Cornerstone Vineyard Church and there'll be uh, all the fill-in-the-blank scriptures, everything for you there. And to begin this morning, I'm actually going to begin with a video clip, and then I'll make a couple comments to kind of where we're heading for today. So take a look at this video. This is a bowling ball, and this is a cake. What? The show is insane. You are all here because you are all talented at making cakes that look like everyday objects. Oh, that is cake. And now that incredibly specific skill wow. can earn you thousands of dollars. Wow. Whoa. Exceptional. I get to ask the best question ever. Is it cake? All right. Now, how many of you have seen the show It Is Cake? All right. Some of you, if you haven't seen the show, I think it's super fun. Somebody this morning said it's a little weird. I think it's kind of fun. It is a cooking competition where uh, these, that the contestants, they actually are making objects into cakes, right? Like, and like they're supposed, they look identical to the actual uh, object, but they're actually cake. Like that bowling ball looked like a bowling ball, right? Those kind of things. And so what happens is uh, there's these celebrity judges and from a distance, they have to judge what uh, what they have to pick the cake out of like four or five different things, and if they stump the judges, the whatever they get money, all those kind of things. If you haven't seen it, uh, when we were on vacation a few weeks ago for spring break, my family and I caught a couple episodes, and I'll tell you. It's not as easy as you think it is to pick the cake. There were a couple times they stumped me, all right? There was one tacos. If you ever know the taco episode, the tacos were incredible. I couldn't pick the taco, right? Those kind of things. So, uh, but check this, video, uh, this show out. It's pretty awesome, those kind of things, entertaining and all that. Uh, some of you are like, Matt, what does this have to do with today? Well, this has a point, all right? This does have a point. Uh, I use that this morning uh, beyond just to make you hungry for cake. Anybody hungry for cake now? Uh, a couple of you. Uh, before, beyond just making you hungry for cake, we are starting a brand new message series this morning entitled, Did God Really Say That? 
And uh, it's, it's kind of my attempt, uh, if you will, in some ways, like the show, uh, to figure out what's real, right? In the show, they figure out what's real and what's the cake. Uh, this is my attempt to, for us to figure out what's real and what's not. And what I mean by that is that um, there are oftentimes uh, things that people say about God or to claim that the Bible says this or that, that in all actuality are not actually true about God. They're not true about God or aren't in the Bible. If I can say it this way, they're just cake, right? They're just cake. There are things that make us feel better or, or maybe uh, helps us not have to look at or, or walk through something that's really hard. And what I wanna do in this series, and I've been wanting to do this series for quite some time, but uh, what I wanna do in this series is to help us identify in our culture in 2022, I want us to identify well and be able to see it really easily. I want us to see the cake. I want us to see the, the fake stuff. Uh, and ultimately, not even so that we see the fake stuff, but we, we don't miss the real stuff because that's actually where the good stuff is, right? The real stuff, especially when it comes to our spiritual journey. We gotta find the real stuff, right? We gotta find the real stuff. And so uh, otherwise, we're gonna be just settling for delicacies. And by the way, pastorally, I don't want you just to settle for delicacies, folks. I want, you to, I want you to get into the deep things of God. And so each week, we're gonna look at one of these uh, statements that's often made, but we're gonna be looking at some scripture uh, in the Bible to identify clearly what is the real stuff, all right, and not just cake. And so ultimately, by the end of it, we would be in a place where we can live more of the, the life that God has for us and wants for us, and ultimately, I think we want for ourselves. So to give you a heads up where we're gonna be heading in the series, I wanna give you some of the dates and titles and things that are gonna be coming up over the next few weeks. So the first thing is today, April 24th, this series begins, all right? So I'll tell you where we're gonna head in just a moment uh, for today. Next Sunday, I'm really excited about this. I'm gonna be doing a, a message uh, with Hannah Kittner, which is, some of you guys know Ben as our student guy. Uh, it's his wife, who by by the way, I've heard is a better speaker than him. All right, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> All right, so I'm, I'm excited about uh, being able to co-teach with Hannah next weekend uh, uh, on this title, did, what, did God Really Say Modest is Hottest? Now, of course, God would not use that word, uh, that, that, that phrasing, modest is hottest, but um, we're gonna look at what God says, folks, about modesty. Now, if you've been around at all in, in Christian circles in the church, those kind of things, this has been a topic that has kind of gotten some fuel over the last year, um, significantly, actually more than I thought that it was going to do. And so I think there's value to looking at what God says about modesty. And so we're going to do that. So uh, be here for that one. Um, the next Sunday is actually Mother's Day, and so we're gonna take a break from the series, and I'm super pumped. We're gonna be able to hear from two of our amazing lady teachers here at our church, uh, Stephanie Stanger and Betsy Schoenthaler, um, and they're gonna do a message, uh, uh, particular that's gonna have some things to do with Mother's Day, but it's gonna be relevant to all of us uh, as well, but I think it'll be a, a valuable Sunday to be here for that. Um, and then we're gonna jump back into the series on May 15th with a message titled, Did God Really Say Hate the Sin, Love the Sinner? You've probably heard that statement before, hate the sin, love the sinner. And so it's probably a good idea to dive into scripture and see what God actually says about that statement, okay? So we're gonna look at that. And then May 22nd, this one is a tough one. We're gonna look at what did God really say love is love? And this is the idea that's swirling around culturally in our uh, culture in 2022 and answering the question, how can love be wrong? You ever heard that? You heard that coming? Like, how can love, love is love. How can love be wrong? And so we're gonna, uh, so pray for me on that one, would you? All right, uh, that we're gonna look into that. I think it's valuable, by the way, in 2022 to look at what God says about that. And then finally, we're gonna end the series on May 29th with a message titled, Did God Really Say Be In The World But Not Of The World? Again, probably something you've heard in the past, probably wise for us to look into the scripture and see what God actually says, okay? 
So I'm really excited about this series. I think, um, I think sometimes we can, uh, we can get into this place where we may think we know what the cake is and what we think the truth reality is, but we might actually be a little conj- uh, jumbled up in the midst of it. I think this will bring some great clarity over the next few weeks together. So um, be here every week. I think it'll be really important for you to do that. All right. Uh, and so with that, we're going to jump into today's topic. Uh, and so today's topic, give you a heads up where we're going. Uh, I'm going to first talk about a skill that I have that probably some of you don't know that I have. Now, some of you are going, Matt, you don't really have home and all the whole lot of skills. So, uh, but I do have some skills and there's a skill that I have that maybe some of you don't know. And that is that I actually can juggle. Did anybody in the room know that I can juggle? Okay, a couple of you knew that I can juggle. Now, some of you are going, okay, Matt, well, now you have to show us that you can juggle. All right, so I remember being back, I don't know, I was like 14 years old, something like that, and I had a friend of mine, he was really good at juggling, and he could juggle like, like knives and things like that, and I really, and so I didn't go into all that stuff, right? Uh, but I decided I wanted to learn how to juggle, and so, so I picked up some juggling balls, and I learned how to juggle, and Ben was trying to do this earlier this week with me, and, and he, I used to be able to do a trick, actually, but I can't do the trick anymore, because now I'm old, um, you know, those kind of things, but, but I now I'll have this party trick that I can do and I can juggle and I can sing and dance and all that kind of stuff. Now, all right. So some of you are going, you're not even all that impressed. I know. It's great. It's fine. It's fine. All right. I'm going to put these back here because otherwise it's going to be a distraction for me. All right. Uh, but here's, actually, I'm going to keep them out. Um, <laughs> sorry, I can't decide what I want to do this morning. Um, so some of you knew that I could do that. Some of you probably didn't know that I could do that. But here's the thing uh, that I wanted to really get to today about juggling. Not so much that I can juggle and I'm impressing you because I'm not really impressing you. All right. But it's the fact that for me, uh, and this is why I bring this whole thing up, three objects is actually my limit when it comes to juggling. It's literally all I can handle. Right? Um, if you would uh, stand up here, if I would like throw another ball to Gina and she throw it in like very, very quickly, I'd be standing in front of you looking like a dummy, okay? Because they would all hit the floor. I w- it would be very, very quick. Uh, I can't do it. I've tried to do it. I can't figure out how to do it. Now, if I put the time in and the energy in, all those kind of things, I probably could figure out how to do it and, and I might be able to get better at this. But, but really, three is my limit. And I'm just kind of settled with the fact that, hey, I can juggle three and that's good. And I'm, I'm, that's a good enough skill for a pastor to have, right? All right, to be able to juggle three balls, so those kind of things. All right. Now, I, now, I will put these away because they're going to be a distraction for me. All right. Um, I want to, I, I, why tell you all that? Why kind of juggle in front of you all this morning? Uh, those kind of things. And, and here's why I did that. Um, what does juggling have to do with today? Here we go. I thought about juggling this week as I was thinking about our topic because often, and I'm sure you'll agree with this, right? Folks, uh, just think about it for a second. I think you'll agree. Is that life, can't it sometimes feel like juggling? Right? Can't it just feel like juggling, like just, we're just juggling, we're just juggling, we're just juggling, right? And, and, and I, I think you get that, right? I think we agree with that. And, and, but, but I think you will also agree that, that when we juggle in life, don't we often like to juggle uh, the, the things that we're comfortable with juggling? Right? Don't, don't we like to just juggle like, okay, say, all right, I can do three, so I'm, gonna co- I, I'm comfortable with three. Right? Maybe some of you in the room, you have more skill than I do, and maybe you could do four, maybe you could do five, maybe you could do the knives, those kind of things. But, but it, it, what I found in life is that, at least in my life, is that I, I like to be comfortable with the limit that I have, and I vo- avoid at all costs, right? Pressing into areas where there's more than I can handle. You ever been there? Right, we try to avoid as much as we can. So, like, if, so instead of like doing the the work and the effort to get the fourth juggling ball in my hands and be able to do that, I'm just comfortable with the three that I got because I can do that. Right? You've probably been there. I mean, who who wants to? <laughs> this is an, don't raise your hand because I pretty much know the answer. Nobody's gonna raise their hand anyway. But who who of you would love to step into an area in your life where it's more than you can handle? No 
Nobody does, right? Nobody wants to, do, to live a life where we can step into more than we can handle. And, and so what we're heading today, folks, is this, and I think this is an important topic to talk about and kick this series off. Uh, I, want, I want us to know, folks, that like, even though we don't like to do that and we avoid those things, can I tell you that I think that God likes us to walk through those things? And actually, sometimes God purposely pushes us towards those things, right? Um, and, and I think sometimes, if I can use the juggling illustration, I think God purposely says, hey, Jeremiah, here's another ball. On purpose. There's a purpose. Not because he's, he's a mean God with a magnifying glass and wants to burn his, his little ants, right? Those kind of things. It's not that. It's because of there's something that's going to be greater that's going to come. And we're going to see that today as we walk this out. Because there's a purpose. There's a greater purpose to throw the ball to Jeremiah. Okay? You probably heard the phrase, which is, again, this first thing we're going to explore in this series is, and this, did God really say that series? It's this phrase, God won't give you more than you can handle. Have you ever heard that before? God won't give you more than you can handle. Folks, that's actually not in the Bible. Did you know that? That's not in the Bible. And actually, we see lots of evidence to the opposite in the scriptures, all right? This phrase uh, that you likely have heard uh, is, is probably, this is what I presume, is, is presumably a very loving, well-meaning person um, trying to sum up what is in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Just come up on the screen. It says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But here's the thing about using that verse this way, is that using that, that verse to comfort a person going through a trial, um, is that that's not actually what that verse is saying at all. Is that God won't give you more than you can handle. No, what, what that verse is actually saying, and what the Bible teaches us is that we, and we, again, we find countless cases, we're gonna look at one today that I think is probably the best case of this, is that, um, is that in actuality, those people couldn't handle that, but guess what? God could, Right? They couldn't handle it, but God could. Even in, in Paul's statement right there, right to the Corinthians, he tells them like, God will provide the escape in temptation. Not you being able to get out of yourself or me getting out myself. No, God will provide the way out, right? We, look, folks, here's the truth, is that if we, could, if we could actually handle everything that comes our way, then wouldn't we take care of our sin problem? As we talked about last week, though, Guess what? We can't. You can't. I can't. We can do as much work and, and go through as much things as, as possible in this life, and we still cannot take care of our sin problem. We couldn't, and we can't. But God can. And so that's why we need Jesus continually in our lives uh, so that he can actually take care of those things. So the question, uh, would, would, would God give you more than you can handle? Can I say it? I think he does. And I think sometimes he does on purpose because it's so he can actually step in, that God can step into your life. I've actually said this is not even in my notes, so this is free for you this morning, all right? Like the reality, I, folks, I, I've, I've said before, how many of you know Matt Poorman's not a rich man? All right, I'm not a rich man, even though I'm, some people said I shouldn't name my kid rich because then it would have been rich poor man. That was kind of a bad joke, but, right? I'm not, and I've, I've actually said several times that I would not want to be wealthy, and, and here's why Matt Parman, now I want to be able to take care of my family, but I don't want to be wealthy because I know myself. If I was wealthy, then I would not have to be as dependent on God. I'm dependent on God because I'm, I'm not overly wealthy. Now I'm trying to be a good steward of my resources and all this kind of thing, but I have to be dependent on God to make things happen when I have a, my transmission like just randomly go out. Right? I have to rely on God. 
Rather than just go, oh, I'll pay the check, right? Those kind of things, right? So the, folks, the, what I'm gonna get at today is that there are some times in life where I think God purposely allows certain things to happen so that we can get into a place where it's more than we can handle so that we ultimately run to his feet. We run to him. There's a vast array of things that he wants to do in our lives. And, and sometimes, how many, how many you know we can be very stubborn people? And sometimes the only way that God's gonna get our attention is to allow that thing to happen to wake us up. I'll just tell, tell you really, just very transparent. I'm in a season right now where I would actually say that I am in a more than I can handle season. And by the way, I'm not doing super well at it, but I'm realizing that even, so I didn't realize as I was writing this message that this was gonna be for Matt Foreman today. But I'm in this place where I'm, I'm in a more than I can handle season. And, and ultimately, uh, I'm finding that when I first started this season, I think I tried to do it on my own. What I'm finding is I'm getting that, as the season continues to go on, I'm having to run to the feet of Jesus. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. And by the way, I think that the greatest example of this, this whole uh, more than I can handle season, which is the kind of proof to this text, uh, to this idea, is uh, in our text today in Job chapter one, where we actually see God suggest Job be put in a pretty tough spot. He, he got, God suggests for him to be put in a more than he can handle season. And we see that he ends up in that season. It was God's suggestion, he ends up in that season uh, in order for Job to truly have to rely on God. And so I wanna read this to you. We're gonna read quite a bit of a text today um, and, uh, and then I'll give you a couple of thoughts on this. We're gonna read most of chapter one, um, some parts of the uh, latter part of the book as well. And I wanna encourage you this week, man, take some time and read the entire book of Job. If you've never read the book of Job, uh, especially if the next time, if you're in one or if the next time you're in a more than you can handle season, folks, I think the book of Job is a great place to read in the midst of that season, all right? So Job chapter one, starting in verse one says this. It says, in the land of Uz, there lived a man, man whose name was Job. The man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. Skip to verse six. One day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, where, what, where, have, you been come, well, sorry, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord. Satan answered the Lord, from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are, are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and he will, he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. And Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. And this is where things kind of get interesting. Verse 13. One day when Job's sons and daughters were fasting and drinking wine at the older brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby and the Sebians attacked and, and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword and I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, the fire of God fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep and the servants and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, the Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword and I am the only one who escaped to tell you. This is not a good day. If, if not already, this is becoming for Job a more than he can handle moment day, right? 
And then it continues to go on, verse 18. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the older brother's house when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them and they are dead. And I am the only one who escaped to tell you. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the, Lord, the name of the Lord be praised in all this. Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Now, interesting text, is it not? Interesting text. And, and I, I think as uh, this whole idea of like, God won't give you more than you can handle. Hmm. There's some interesting thoughts and ideas in this text, I think. And so I want to give you a couple of ideas. But before I do that, let me pause and pray, and then I'll give you those uh, thoughts. So let's pray. God, we uh, just thank you for an opportunity to gather together in your name this morning, and we do pray, God, that as we look into this story of Job and what this might mean for us, that you would, uh, God, make our hearts, our minds, our souls sticky, and supernatural things would stick to us, God. We'd be more like Jesus as a result of our time together, that we would, something would change in us. God, I don't want to just stand up here and talk for the next 20 minutes. I, I, I want you to come up and, and, and just do something in us, in our hearts, and our minds, and our souls, so do something. Teach us, change us, mold us, we pray. I want to honor you with this time, and so we give it to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so uh, we're going to have just one point today as we look at this claim. God won't give you more than you can handle. What does God really say? And so you can write this in on your handout. Well, God actually says an extra stretch is sometimes best. You can write that in. An extra stretch is sometimes best. Does, it, does that picture make anybody else cringe, by the way? Like I see it on Andy's face. He's going, ah, oh, what's going on, right? Like that made me cringe, right? Serious stretch there, right? That was a serious stretch. And it's what we see, by the way, it's why I'm, I'm, I'm kind of focusing on this point uh, this, this morning, is that this is what we see with Job. It's quite a stretch, is it not? I mean, it's, it's a big stretch. By the way, and, and not only is it a big stretch, but a big stretch with the consent of God to actually walk through it. God said, an extra stretch for Job? Sure. He might be able to handle it. Actually, in fact, I know that he can handle it. And it actually says in, back in the text, right, verses 11 and 12, uh, Satan says to God in verse 11, but now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and he will surely curse you to, a fa his fa to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. So God in his sovereignty, right, in that moment, knew that letting an extra stretch, though hard, extremely hard, right? This was a mess, was it not? I mean, all that happening in one day, right? But letting an extra stretch, stretch happen was going to be best in the end for Job. He knew that. By the way, y'all know that God's smarter than us? Sometimes he knows that a big, uh, an extra stretch is best for us, right? God wanted to, in this story, he wanted to expand Job's horizons and help him see that his perspective, which, by the way, he, we're going to look at in a second, that he had somewhat of a good perspective of God, but, but even his perspective uh, of God was a little too narrow than what God wanted for him, that he wanted to expand his knowledge, Right? Now, we actually see, though, he, again, he does really well. Verse 3, all right, our text says he was the greatest man among all the peoples of the East. Verse 8, there is no one on earth like him. He's blameless and upright and a man who fears God and shuns evil. And so he knew a lot already, right? I think sometimes we can go, well, I'm doing pretty good. Like, hey, I'm a pastor of a church, right? I'm playing to this church. Like, By the way, sometimes God wants to stretch me. Still. So God saw that he want that he's like hey I, job's doing really well but i'm gonna i'm gonna i want job to even know me even more and so a stretch was what was necessary for him to do that god some guys god sometimes has more for us than we think that he does 
And so we need to be willing to walk through whatever God has for us, amen? And so, it, and so you go, okay, well, Matt, prove that to me. So we see in, and I would encourage you, read these chapters on your own time this week, but Job 38 through 41, these are all the chapters, right? We actually see God, these are the divine speeches of Job, okay? And this is God, um, after much lament and, and grief and conversation and prayer, those kind of things, and crying and all that kind of things, for, for God to overturn and change the things of Job's life, we see God, all right, in turn ask a series of questions to Job. And uh, these questions are, and the reason God asks them is to deepen Job's understanding of who God is, especially in this moment, right? He asks questions like this in uh, 38.4. says, when, were you there when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. This actually goes on for four chapters. God is asking these questions to Job. Okay? Halfway through, by the way, Job says this. This is halfway through. Verse four, uh, chapter 40, he says, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, but I will say no more. And so what that tells me is I read these, these this happened in, in chapter one, and then we read these, these, these chapters, these questions, this dialogue with God, and I read Job's response. What I'm, what I'm seeing is, is that Job is being stretched his understanding of who God is. He's understanding a greater, that there's even more to God than he even under, understood. And by the way, one of the prayers that I got from a, a former pastor of mine uh, that I thought was phenomenal, I don't pray it enough, but I, I often will pray this prayer, is that God, if I only know you 10%, would you increase the knowledge I know of you? That's a great prayer. Because by the way, I, I would think, I would guess, because how big God is, I don't even know if we know God 1% really. Because he's so big. He's so amazing. And so we see God stretch the scope of understanding. His scope of understanding was transformed. Job is starting to understand, even in the midst of these four chapters, like, I don't even have an answer for that, God. You're so big. Sometimes God says an extra stretch is best, and it's what was best for Job. And then we see at the end, the very end, this is the last chapter of the book of Job, chapter 42. We're told this in reference to Job. By the way, this is the good part of the story. In verse 10, there's a couple of them. Verse 10, it says, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. Verse 12, the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the, the former part. And then verses 16 and 17, after this, Job lived 140 years. He saw his children and their children to the fourth generation. And so Job died an old man full of years. The truth is for Job in the midst of this, right? This, was, this season was just for a little while, albeit it was quite a season. It was quite, quite a, a tough season. Maybe even, maybe even I would use the word excessive, all kind of happening at once. There was catastrophes, all those kinds of things, right? <clears throat> but here's the cool part is that God had something else greater and grander for, for him in the end, right? Sometimes a stretch for us is just necessary, folks, even when it's more than we can handle. Because you, you put, your, put yourself in Job's shoes, by the way. I think every single one of us, that'd be more than we can handle, Right? Sometimes it's just what's best. Because, right, it could be part of a future purpose and plan of God's in our life. I mean, here's the, I think it's important to understand that, that um, by the way, I, I, I know this is not a fun, sunshiny message today, right? But can I say, folks, that this is an important aspect of following God that we need to understand. God can, 
This is not on my notes either. God, God told us that our, we were supposed to have, that by having a relationship with Jesus, we would have life to the full. He didn't say that we were gonna be happy. Can I tell you guys that, that folks, that here's the, the truth is that happiness and fullness aren't necessarily the same thing, right? And so sometimes we gotta go through tough stuff. This is a great thing to understand as being a follower of Christ. That's why I always try to say that uh, you, if you've been around Cornerstone, you, you hear, heard me say this before, that sometimes following Jesus, he'll wreck your life in the best way because he will, right? Like there will be some tough stuff, but it'll be the best thing you can make your decision in your life, right? And so there's this, there's this kind of this thing uh, in scripture. That, and so this is just one story. I wanna take a look at a couple other verses. This, this, this whole like uh, more than we can handle thing is kind of a thing, right? James one, some of you know this verse. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Consider it pure joy that you're facing trials that you're going through more than you can handle. Romans five, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And so this, there's this thing of that sometimes that, that God's saying, hey, like I, I love these people so much that I'm willing to let a stretch happen in their life. It's just necessary even when it's more than they think they can actually handle. By the way, uh, God uh, is good and he'll show up even alongside you in the midst of that. Now, I don't think these scriptures are saying that we gotta be happy about it, right? Like I'll just tell you right now in the season I'm in, I'm not super happy about it, right? But I think we gotta be aware that those verses are saying essentially that, that we gotta be uh, joyful in the fact that we're not going through it alone. God's along with us. I think we gotta keep that perspective. Um, and so with that, I think, I think it's important for us to, to grasp today that, um, that with Job, right, even though he was going through all this stuff, there was all this conversation with God, there was all that stuff going on, and at the end, there was a purpose and a plan. I think we also have to remember in our times of stretching, folks, there's a purpose and a plan. And so you can actually write this in on your handout. It's actually something I've been saying more frequently in my own life, is that if there's a challenge, look around for a purpose. If there's a challenge, look around for a purpose. I'll just be, again, transparent with you this morning. I'm gonna drive in this morning because um, I just feel heavy. I'll just be, you know, you know, there are certain days where I really love coming to church. Today was a day that I was like, this sucks. I'm gonna be transparent with you today. Not because I didn't wanna be with you, just because I'm just heavy in my, my season I'm in right now. And, and so on my drive this morning, I was praying, God, what, what are you trying to do in me? I don't have all the answers yet, but, but I will say that I think that as I started this a few weeks ago, uh, again, I was trying to do it on my own, but now I'm, I'm, going to, I'm trying to go to the feet of Jesus this morning. And I'm being honest with God that it's not fun. This is not a fun season for me. Uh, I don't, I'm not enjoying the, the stretch that I'm in, but, but, I, but I know that he's, I know and I know and I know and I know that he's with me on this side of it and there's a purpose. There's gonna be something. Our God is a God who can make beautiful things out of crappy things. I'm waiting for the beautiful thing and I don't know when it's gonna come, but I'm waiting for it and, and I'm more attentive to what that beautiful thing is gonna be inside of me than I've probably been in the last six weeks. I'm looking around for the purpose. Now, I will say that there are some times, right, that, that, that we could go through hard times because uh, it could be just life. Life throws us some curveballs sometimes, right? Um, but I often in my life, as I've, as I've looked around for the, the, the purpose, there's some end goal. There, there, God, God has some purpose for me. And it's just the idea of me finding it. And because there will be a greater good in me, around me, for other people because of what God's doing in me. And by the way, we also see Job kind of do this whole looking for a purpose thing pretty well. 
We actually see in Job chapter 19, he says this, he says, I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that my Redeemer lives and that he, that in the end he will stand on the earth and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. He knows that God lives. He knows that he's the Redeemer. He's the repairer. He's the restorer. He wasn't, Job wasn't happy about all this stuff, but, but he knew that he had to go through it. He knew God was going along with him in the process. It actually says in our text in verse 22, it says, in all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. He knew that God was, he, like, yes, God allowed this thing to happen to him. And so he could have been mad at God. By the way, can I tell you that there's a lot of people when things happen and crap happens in life that people blame God? Right, but he, he could have done that, but he didn't. He didn't charge you. He knew that God was alongside, and, and you know, if he didn't see it in his lifetime, he knew there was going to be a purpose that God was walking him through all this stuff. And the truth is, God will sometimes give us and allow us to experience more than we can handle, folks. It's just true. I mean, he did with Job, and, and by the way, he didn't only do that with Job. He actually did with Jesus as well. Right? He did with Jesus. Right? In Mark chapter fourteen, we see Jesus in this uh, quote unquote state of more than he can handle. And it says in uh, verse uh, 32 of Mark 14, it says, they went to a place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him and he began to be, look at this, deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Talk about a more than he can handle moment. He said to them, stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if it's possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Folks, if God, if God walked out this more than you can handle stuff in Jesus, can I say that we should expect it in our lives sometimes too? He did that with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus, his son. And notice too that in that, can you bring that text back up there, Ella? Notice that, uh, that last verse, right, uh, in, uh, in yeah, Mark 14, that, yeah. No, notice that he, uh, even Jesus says, not what I will, but what you will. He defaults back to God's purposes, right? See, the stretch sometimes is what's needed, even if it's an excessive one, which by the way, Jesus' stretch was a pretty excessive one. We celebrated that last week in Easter, right? The death on the cross, the painful stuff that he went through, all those kind of things, but then raising from the dead, by the way, so that we could have a way to God, not having to pay for our own stuff, our own sin. It was what was necessary for Jesus, but it was also what was necessary for us. So that we can live out Hebrews chapter 12. It says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, consider him who endured such opposition for sinners for me, for you, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So folks, we need to approach life, I think sometimes, knowing that, that sometimes we just have to be stretched and it's a good thing. Yay, it is a good thing, even once more than we can handle because it's part, it's part of the future purpose and plan that God might have for our lives. Is it fun? No. But can I say, oh, so necessary. Oh, so necessary. Thanks for joining us this week. We pray that you are challenged and blessed by this message and that you find application for it in your life as God leads you through this week. For more information about us, please visit our website at cornerstonevineyard.church.